Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. So if you have your Bibles this morning, uh, turn to the book of Acts. Uh, we're doing a series through the book of Acts. We're going to be reading out of 2, chapter 3, and 4. So uh, uh, if, uh, if we, I've only, I'm only one message into this series. So it's on our YouTube channel, our iTunes podcast, our Facebook page if you want to get, uh, get caught up on that. But I love the book of Acts. When I have uh, people who are new to faith, I tell them three books you need to read. You need the book of Mark, book of Acts, and book of James. All right, this is one of those great books. It is a unique book. Uh, you will be amazed and inspired, and you will, you will learn. Now, we're going to walk through it through the summer. Maybe not take every story, but we're going to grab uh, what we can. So make it your devotion if you can. Do some reading at home. So just want to mention that. So I want to just repeat these really quick. Uh, things to know about and watch for in the book of Acts. It was written about 30 years after the death of Christ. So this is the early history of the church after Jesus' death. So it was written about 30 years after the writers started, about 30 years after the death of Jesus. Acts covers the first 33 years of the New Testament church post you know, Christ's resurrection. Um, the, and it talks about kind of the themes are the coming of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the believers and the church, okay? It also, another focus, uh, the advancement of the gospel message and winning of new followers to Jesus. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit is not an entity of itself, but it is an empowerment for the gospel message. They are not separate, Okay? All spirit-filled people, they are not separate. They work together. So the, gospel, the spirit comes so that the gospel message may go forth in power, win new followers to Jesus, and want you to watch the connection between miracles, signs, and wonders, and evangelism. What Doris just testified of this morning is the power of Jesus Christ to bring healing. Okay? So you may be going, how did that happen? That is the power of Jesus, that God is honoring his work upon the cross, and he's bringing healing to people, and, it, and it's called a sign and a wonder. A sign is not a destination of itself, but it points to something else. So when you hear of a healing, we don't just pat ourselves on the back. It is pointing back to the cross of Jesus and the person of Jesus. A wonder is something that is so unbelievable that it makes you kind of scratch your head and go, how did that happen? So part of this is the connection between miracles, signs, and wonders, and evangelism. What you saw here and testified of here this morning points back to the cross of Jesus and the person of Jesus, and that hopefully through that miracle, you will consider opening your heart to Jesus. So that, that's kind of the theology of that. Now, last time we met, we talked, we saw Jesus' encouragement 
to be filled with the Holy Spirit, his teaching about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And we saw in Acts chapter 2, we saw the fire of God in the upper room. We saw the wind of God in the upper room. We saw the presence of God revealed. And we saw the power of God revealed. Okay, so that's part of Acts chapter 2. But there was a little left in Acts chapter 2 that I feel like is really important. And I, I did, I'm going to primarily do Acts 3, but I want to take a moment this morning and talk about Acts 2 because it's really important, okay? So Acts 2 and 42 is where I'm going to start just for a few minutes this morning. And we're going to look at the habits and the patterns of this new church, the habits and the patterns of the new church. Now, when we left Acts 2 before, remember Peter was preaching, you know, thousands of people had come to the upper room area with curiosity. Peter is preaching to them and many have come to the Lord. There is a period at the end of the sentence and it moves on. But probably between what we read last week and what we're going to read this week, there were many, many months that had transpired in between those two events. So he's giving a reflection. Luke is giving a reflection of that. So let's, let's look at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, talking about these new believers, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were uh, were saved. So let me just make this statement. After every powerful spiritual experience, there needs to be a time to process what you have learned and how to ex and how that experience changed you. We love powerful spiritual experiences, but they are not an entity of themselves. They are to drive us to greater depth and understanding in our walk with the Lord. So if you'll look at Matthew Matthew 3 and 4, Jesus was doing some unbelievable miracles. Man, they were just, they were seeing some uh, unexplainable things. But then Jesus sat them down in Matthew 5 and gave them what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. And it started with the Beatitudes, you know, how to treat people, how to act when, you know, when people abuse you or, or, or mistreat you. And, and over several chapters, he's taking this wonderful spiritual experience, but he's tying it with day-to-day -day life. That's important. Uh, and I want to say, like, we've got a, a bunch of our kids who were at uh, teen camp and at Forward this past week, and those experiences are great. I just want you to know, everybody needs those kind of experiences, but there's something else that God wants to do in your heart. He wants to tie together the power of this last week uh, to the depth of this particular week. So we're going to kind of walk, walk through this. Now, as Luke is writing this, 
those things. He's, you know, there's been a lot of books that have been written about these verses. He's not writing it to be the text of a book. He's just recording the organic behaviors that he noticed of these believers. They just started doing certain things. They weren't told to do that. They didn't have any, any written record to follow. This is just, man, what just started occurring organically out of their life. And they wrote it and he wrote it down. And it's a good pattern for you and I. So this new church devoted themselves to three things. Number one was the apostles' teachings, okay? Now, please remember, at this time, there's no New Testament written. There's no Gospels. Paul hasn't even come on the scene. They were, they were heavily versed in the Old Testament, but as far as New Testament living, there was nothing written at all, okay? There was just limited revelation. So when it says they were going by the apostles' teaching, literally, man, they were just going with what these godly men were, were teaching. There was not, nothing, nothing written. They also were so hungry, you know, to learn and to grow. It says they regularly met in the temple courts, all right? There was no property. There's no church to go to. There's no Bible. There's no formal kind of services yet. So they're just meeting together. Man, the apostles are just teaching, you know, revelation that's coming out, you know, out of their heart. I want to say to everyone here today, especially new believers, there is a place in the heart of believers for the Word of God. You need God's Word. We have much great advantage today of the written canon and the, the New Testament, but man, there is nothing that we need more than God's Word in our lives. Psalms 119 says, I will, I will never Forget your precepts, for by them they have preserved my life. He's saying, man, there was an impact of the teaching of, of God's Word. And I want to say to you, if you're a young believer, man, you just came back from camping forward. Man, if you, if you need to rededicate your life and start back over and reboot, start with the Word of the Lord. We need it in our life. The psalmist said it lasts forever. You know, like these, these principles and precepts, they're going to be around. They're going to impact your life forever. It's not like some things that we learn, you know, over the course of our life that we never use again. You know, like in elementary school, remember when they taught us to write cursive? Remember that? Remember that? And if you don't know what cursive is, it's an American foreign language that we had to learn. You know, in elementary school, sponsored by our teachers and the communists, okay? Who uses that again? Except when you buy a house, what do they print and then sign your name, okay? That's, that's all we ever... Uh, how, about, how about the Dewey Decimal System? Remember that? Use that? What is that? Dewey Decimal System was a scavenger hunt for books put on by the local librarian, you know? You had to get the card, understand the code, and then you start your journey to find the book. Anybody ever find a book at the end? It was never there. My philosophy was if the book's not there, the card's going home with me. That's what I did. All right? Also sponsored by the librarian and the communist. Let me just add that. There, there are things that we look back today and go, that's no longer applicable to us, but I'm telling you, not with God's Word. 
It is eternal. It never changes. If you will open your life as a new believer today, I promise you that word will transform you, make it a part of your life. So they had a desire to learn and grow, okay? There was something else they did. The fellowship and breaking of bread. Fellowship, there were three things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, and breaking of bread. They saw the importance of making friends and having strong relationships with people of, of, uh, of like faith. They were eating together. They were sharing meals together. Now, now, they did the Lord's Supper different. They brought a full meal, okay? So they would do the Lord's Supper together, this spiritual meal, but it was a full kind of potluck. We get ripped off today. We get one stale wafer and some bad juice and, you know, uh, but they, so they were eating together. They were sharing together, okay? And it was part of their growth. Now, you may be, you may be out there today and you may be going, you mean there's a religion where eating food is part of the growth plan? Yes! Come join us. Tonight, 5.30, Casa Grande at midtime. We're going to be sharing nachos together. So, uh, GC Sunday nights. It was on video announcements, but it got bumped. So, they were eating together. They had a heart for those with financial needs. So, they were giving money, selling property. They lived in community. They were, they were connected with people of like faith. But now, let me remind you, community back then was different than community today. They lived in smaller towns. Most of their homes were like apartments. You shared walls or, or uh, town homes. You know, there was, if there was a Christian church, there was only one. It was, you didn't drive. You walked everywhere. So you knew everyone in your community. You didn't go to your home until, until you saw most people as you were walking to your home. It's much different today. It's much more difficult to live in community of faith. We live all across town. Some people come regularly, some, some don't, you know, we're out on vacation. So I'm just saying to you, community today, you got to work a little more harder. You got to be more persistent. You got to be more patient before those relationships kind of surface uh, uh, in your life. So they devoted themselves to three things, the apostles' teaching, fellowship and breaking of bread, and to prayer into prayer. So the pattern of continuous prayer that Jesus told Luke uh, and Jesus told the, uh, the disciples in Luke when he said, don't, don't go anywhere, but go pray for the promise of the Holy Spirit. They were still kind of continuing this pattern. They were praying, most believers praying every day at 9, 12, and 3. Prayer was a great part of the heart and the development of the, of the new church. And I want to say too, there is a connection between a praying church and signs and wonders. Okay? So they were praying on a regular basis. So this is a good pattern to follow. Luke didn't write it to be a pattern. He was going, hey, these new followers, they're doing some unique things. So he wrote it out, but it's a good pattern for you and I. So, man, if you feel like your spiritual walk is just kind of flat, I say devote yourself to God's Word, uh, faith-based relationships, and to regular prayer. If you're new to faith, man, devote yourself to those three things. And I want to say to the church as a whole, those things should never 
expire in our life. There's never a point in your spiritual growth and development that you don't need God's word, you don't need Christian fellowship, and you don't need a good old-fashioned prayer meeting either. Okay? All right. Amen. Amen. All right. Now let me get to the sermon, okay? That was the appetizer. I'm just kidding. Acts chapter 3. Now before we read that, they're going to put a, put a uh, graphic up on the screens. And if you'll just keep it up here for a moment. There you go. Can I get it on this screen right here? Can I get it right there on the live stream? Can I get it there? Okay. They'll, they'll get that. All right. So it's going to be difficult for you to see, but what is about to occur is going to happen at the temple at a, at called the Beautiful Gate. And I just wanted to give you a mental image, okay? So here is Solomon's Temple. Here's a graphic of Solomon's Temple, okay? Uh, you see, like, right in the middle of that, you see the Holy of Holies, the inner court, the outer court. You see all of that. It's kind of blurry, but at the bottom... You'll see that line that's coming up from the bottom. That's the beautiful gate, okay? Something's about to, to occur there. And then after that, you see the arrow that's pointing to the left. That is Solomon's porch, okay? Now, so I want to give you a mental image about what is about to occur. All of this happens at the temple, Okay, at the big temple, Solomon's temple. All right, so they're going up regularly to pray. So let's read Acts 3.1. Keep that in mind, okay? One day, <clears throat> Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At, uh, at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. They were doing the 9, 12, and 3. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts and when he saw Peter and John about to enter he asked for money Peter looked straight at him as did John and Peter said look at us so this man gave them his attention expecting to get something from him so they are going for the time of prayer, 9, 12, and 3. Now, they had a set time, which I think is a value, but their job was a little bit different in that particular time. They weren't always just praying on the run. Do you know it's okay to pray on the run sometimes? But there's sometimes that we just need to anchor in and make a, make a time of prayer, okay? So he's headed at 3 o'clock, and Peter's just going to the temple like he's done all the time. Now, can I just say something? You never know when it's going to be your day to be used of God in a great way. This day, man, it just, it looked like any other day. But God had something else in store. Can I just say to you, when you're going about your routine, you never know when it's going to be your day that God is going to choose to use you in a powerful way. Okay? So, they come up on the, the gate beautiful. Okay? So, the, that was the kind of the outer gate that they were going in. And they interacted with this gentleman that they had seen for years. Everyone, you know, they, they, everyone kind of knew this guy, but nobody really knew his name. His name is not even recorded. This man, he couldn't walk. He was carried every day to the gate. Is there anything more demoralizing 
than just knowing that your full day is begging for just a few pennies. Can you imagine getting up? Sometimes we get up, we're thinking about our day. Can you imagine for decades his day was being brought to that gate just to beg? 40 years this had been happening in his life. He was helpless. He could not probably do uh, anything, you know, by himself. I'm sure that he felt ignored. Thousands passed by. Few looked at him. Even fewer spoke to him. So here's a man on the outside that has problems, but he's hurting on the inside as well. Can I remind you that not a, when, when, when people have problems physically, normally there are problems internally as well. You know, they're, they're facing different kinds of pains of the heart, and that's the way he was. Can I say to believers today, just as a reminder, there's a lot of pain and suffering in the world, and it's very easy to get calloused, hard-hearted, and immune to some of the suffering that, that goes on, and we don't want to be that way. We always want our heart to be tender. We always want our heart to be open because we never know when the Lord may choose to use us. So Peter, well, he walks by. And Peter says something that this guy probably hasn't heard, heard before. He said, look at us, showing value in the person. Most people may might throw a few coins, probably very few spoke. He said, look, look at us. Then at verse 6, Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. Instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts. Remember the other part? Walking, jumping, and praising God. He was walking it out. Let me just say that. All right. When all the people saw him walking uh, and praising God, they recognized him. As the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I love Peter's response. You know, I have something greater than of value than silver and gold. Let me tell you, this world thinks there's no greater value than silver and gold. I'm telling you, it's true still today. There are things that God does that has a greater value than silver and gold. So that's what he said to him. I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. I got a life change in store for you. And it says they were filled with wonder and amazement. So this is significant, a significant moment in the development of the church. This is the first miracle occurring without Jesus being present, using only Jesus' name and relying on the power of the resurrection. Okay? It was always easy for the disciples to have faith when Jesus is standing right behind them. Or it was always easy to have faith when the disciples were standing right behind Jesus. But now it's a new day. 
It's gone. This is the first miracle recorded, you know, without Jesus being there, that they are only using Jesus' name and relying on the power of the resurrection. This is a very significant moment, and it makes a statement to you and I today. At that moment, God honored the name of Jesus, the death of Jesus, and he worked through the disciples as they had faith. I want to tell you, nothing about that message has changed for you and I today. He still honors the name of Jesus. God still honors the death of Jesus. And God still works through disciples that will step out and walk out in faith and believe him. Give the Lord praise this morning. Praise God today. Thank you, Lord. All right, but if he's put that responsibility on you and I, then we got to be willing. We can't. If we're not going to do anything, then the work and the power of God stops. We got to be willing when we go out, when there's these nudges of the Holy Spirit and, and situations just kind of pop up to us. We got we to be ready for that moment. If he's empowered the body, then the body has to go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit and be willing to be used of the Lord. So he does this miracle. People are praising God. You know, if this theological miracle, I mean, I want to say it again. Jesus wasn't there. Probably Peter was just as shocked as the man that was standing up laying there. Wow. Jesus wasn't there, but they used the name of Jesus. And they relied on the power of the resurrection. I'm telling you, there's power in that still today. 11, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. Can we pop that uh, image back up just for a moment? Can we do that? All right. So it's, it's kind of blurry, but you see the outer rim, okay? And maybe you see the little columns in the back. That was the porch. It's called Solomon's Porch or Colonnade. And there would be people, because of the heat, they would, they would get in the shade there. So Peter and John have come away from the, the uh, and the man have come away from the, the gate beautiful. And now they're, they're standing in the porch. And there are many, many people that are standing around. So... While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of our fathers, he's given them an explanation here, has glorified this servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus. This man, there, wow. Verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus. This man whom you see 
and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you all can see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know you acted in ignorance as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had said and foretold through all the prophets that the Messiah would suffer. Repent then, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and times of refreshing may come to the Lord. Okay? So that's his answer. So he mentions Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He mentions the patriarchs and how now through their line, Jesus has been glorified. I love the little sentence, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Just a little jab there, just to get their, just to get their attention. But I want to make this clear again. I want you to see the connection between the cross of Jesus and healing and miracles. They are connected. They are not separate. He tied it back together. You are saying what's going on here, but I'm telling you, Peter said, this is all about the death and the resurrection of the Messiah, Jesus. Please remember, God uses miracles, signs, and wonders to open doors for the gospel to be Shared. They are never connected. They are always together. Okay? Now, he mentions something else at the end because he's not just preaching theologically, but man, he ties this together as every preacher does and he makes it personal. He says, Repent. Repent. You know, and turn to God and he uses the analogy and have your sins kind of wiped away. Kind of like a chalkboard, all right? Kind of repent, every one of you, and your sins will be wiped away. And then he says, there is a time of refreshing that will come. God will do something powerfully in your life if you start with repentance. Can I say to you again, nothing about this message has changed to this day as well. There is still a connection between healing and miracles and pointing people to Jesus and the message of repentance, turning from your sin to follow Jesus is still part of the gospel message today. All right? Let me take a moment here. Let me start just for a moment. He brings up repentance, okay? Repentance is essential to having your sins forgiven, okay? You cannot have one without the other, okay? Repentance is when you acknowledge, man, I've got some bad stuff in my life. I'm giving it to God and I'm turning away, okay? People who want to try to follow Jesus without repentance, you're going to have a frustrating spiritual experience because you're saying to the Lord, hey, I kind of want to do my own thing and live my own life, but I want you to be Jesus. I want you to be Lord of my life as well. And man, it can't work that way. That's why repentance, you know, is essential. I want to get to heaven, but I don't want to change what I'm doing down here. Doesn't work that way. The door of salvation, knowing God, knowing Christ, comes through the first step that we take, and that is repentance. Repentance. Some people experience regret, but in actuality, they need repentance. Regret while beneficial, regret says we are sorry for the way things turned out or we're sorry that someone noticed our poor choice. So sometimes 
we get to the point that we go, man, I hate it. I hate that that happened. I hate that that worked out the way that we did, that it we did. But that's just regret. Or this is even worse. Man, I hate somebody found out. Boy, social media, you got to be careful what you post out there. You know, so, so we hate that we got caught. Okay? We hate that it hurt someone or it didn't work out well. But if that's all where it stays with you, then you, then you are experiencing regret and not repentance. But I want to say regret, even though it has some spiritual benefit, still leaves your sins unforgiven. And it's still your place in heaven. You know, your name in heaven has not been written because it's not regret Peter didn't say, man, hey, you need to regret what you've done. He said you need to repent, okay? Repentance is a little bit different. Repentance with a sense of brokenness and honesty, confessing our sin to God with a heartfelt promise to turn away from this sin and lifestyle and follow Jesus. So there's a little more depth to it as well. So repentance is when the light bulb goes on. And you realize, man, you've, you've broken your fellowship with God. You've hurt God. You've hurt others. And it affects you emotionally. It, affect, it affects you down deep in your heart when you realize, man, that you've grieved the Lord. That you've broken, you've broken his law. And then you confess. Part of repentance is saying back to God, hey, God, I have sinned. I didn't just make a bad choice. I didn't have a bad day. God, I have sinned. I have broken your law. I'm asking you to forgive me. And with everything that's within my heart and power, I turn away from the life, the sin, the lifestyle that I have been living. And I want to follow Jesus. Okay? That's repentance. Some fall short with regret. But it's only repentance it's only repentance that, that changes people's lives. Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and times of refreshing will come from the Lord. I want to tell you, when you do repent and you turn it all over to Jesus and it sounds like a big sacrifice, big thing. Let me tell you what happens when you do that and you mean that from your heart. Let me tell you, there's a grace of God that will come on your life, a life-changing grace. God in that moment wipes your sins away. You are forgiven in that moment. What you've done in the past, you are no longer identified for. Man, there is salvation that comes to your house when you walk through the door of repentance. So they make that Peter gives that message about repentance. And man, there's a crowd that's going, and man, they're coming, you know. Um, and so what happens is when all, this crowd is there, the temple priest, you know, and, and his security team, they they come away from, you know, part of the temple, the priests that work there, and some of the, 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 the security folks, they come over to investigate. Okay, look at verse four. The priest and the captain of the guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. 
They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus' name, in Je- proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed in grew, grew to about 5,000. So as they are making this response, they are interrupted by the priest and the captain of the guard. They stop what they are saying. You know, they are curious why everyone, you know, was, was gathering. So they, they interrupt him. They interrupt him. They stop the message. Now, let me, let me ask you this. Why is everyone gathered? Let's go back. What, what happened initially that, that is bringing all this crowd together? There was a man that was healed. Everybody knew him. It was an unbelievable miracle. This man is walking, leaping, praising God. Remember the song from Sunday school? Do I need to lead that this morning? Well, some of you, you don't know it, all right? They're all happy about this moment. And then here comes the captain of the guard. Can I say something to you this morning? There will always be someone who will try to mess up your miracle. There was always someone who will try to kind of spoil what God is doing in your life. All this man did was get healed. He wants to praise God. And here come the, the priests. Here come the, 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 uh, the, the guards of the temple. You know, there are always people who want to speak negativity into what God is doing in your life. Well, now look, I know you've become a believer, but don't go overboard. You know, don't go overboard. You know, you go to Generations Church. You realize the reputation they have in our community. You need to watch those people over there. Listen, there are always people who will, you know, uh, uh, not understand what's going on in your life. But I want to say something to you this morning. Don't ever let your spiritual experiences be influenced by the negativity of people who are sitting in the bleachers. If God is doing something in your life, if God has done something in your life, then give him praise. Walk boldly in that. Don't turn your back. Don't don't be discouraged at what others may say. Listen, uh, people always speak in negativity, always sitting up in the bleachers. God's not doing anything in their life, but they're trying to plant the seeds of negativity in their life at all. And let me just say something else. Sometimes when God begins to work in our lives, it brings conviction upon other people and they feel uncomfortable. So they're just trying to pull you back so they'll feel a little bit better. But let me just say something. Put the gas down. Serve God with all that you've got. All right? Let me tell you something. When that happens, just make this determination. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to keep the joy of the Lord in my heart. I'm going to keep a sweet spirit in my, in my mind regardless of what you say. And I'm just going to keep on walking. I'm going to keep praising. I'm going to keep serving. I'm going to keep believing. Say all that you want to say, but I'm going to keep going on. All right? So Peter and John, they are arrested Okay, in that moment, and their crime is simply teaching and believing in the resurrection. Okay, so they're arrested in the middle of this situation with the, uh, with the, with the man. Now, it's late afternoon. They went to pray 
at three. So let's just say it's four, four fifteen. Probably couldn't do a trial that late. So they put them in jail for the night. Okay, they put them in jail for the night. But what is great, though. Even though they stopped the sermon, the seed of the gospel had still been planted and many, many hundreds and thousands of people came to the Lord even though there wasn't an altar call given, okay? Because the seed of the gospel and the Holy Spirit, you can never stop the Spirit of the Lord working in the hearts of people. You just can't do it. The church grew and people became followers of Jesus because of the miracle at the beautiful gate, okay? The church grew and people became followers of Jesus because of the miracle at the beautiful gate. The next day, the rulers and elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. So were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, all of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought in before them and begin to question them. And here's the prosecutor's question. Here's the prosecutor's question. Look at this. By what power or what name did you do this? By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands healed before you. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected and has become the cornerstone. You need to memorize this next verse. Salvation is found in no one else there is no other name under heaven given by mankind in which we must be saved. Give him praise this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Peter is not a stranger to these men. I read those names because they might sound familiar to you at the trial of Jesus. Remember Caiaphas, Annas, some of those other people. So Peter's not a stranger to them. They're not a stranger, uh, they're not a stranger to Peter. But it says when they made that accusation, it said Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I remind you of something this morning? Remember that God will always give you what you need at the right moment. God will always give you what you need at the right moment. So here's a day I told you that started as an ordinary day for Peter. He's just going to pray. But all of a sudden, he sees this man, this beggar, and God gave him what he needed at the moment. And there was a healing. And then he had not planned a gospel message that day. But all of a sudden, the crowd gathered. And they were wanting an explanation of what had happened. And God gave Peter what he needed in that moment and he didn't have any idea that he was going to go to jail and he was going to have to present a legal theological defense but God 
filled him with the Holy Spirit and gave him what he needed in that moment. Listen to me. Sometimes we want to feel waves of revival. We want to feel God's glory upon our life before we do anything from God. I want you to know it's just the opposite. When the opportunity presents yourself, you walk into that opportunity with the trust of the Lord and faith in Jesus. Listen, and the Lord will give you what you need in that moment. He'll give you what you need. We want it in advance. We want to feel it in advance. But I'm telling you, sometimes God is waiting for the momentary faith. And he'll pour his spirit out on you like he did right there at Peter. And he'll give you what you need right there. Thank you, Lord. So Peter makes that defense. They all get together. And here's their verdict. Verse 18. And they called them in again. And commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. That's the verdict. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in the eyes of God to listen to you or to help him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. So the verdict was... Be silent. Don't speak. Listen to me. This is where we are headed as a country. This is a very prophetic passage for you and I who live in this moment. Okay? They don't want the teachings of Jesus, the beliefs of Jesus. They don't care what is practiced out here. But they don't want God's word. They don't want the gospel. They don't want the influence, the salt and light that comes from God's word. They don't want it to leave this building. I'm telling you, you've seen it over the last couple of days. Man, the the intimidation to the church, you know, and, and religious people. And this is going to be, this is going to be the mantra of our nation and our culture to the church to be silent and don't speak. I'm worried about our country. I'm very worried about our country. Sensuality, sexuality, no moral restraint, pornography everywhere, no uh, alcohol, drugs, you know, uh, uh, issues of uh, uh, definition of, of marriage. I'm concerned about religious freedom and religious expression. And I want to tell you, the word will come to us. Just be quiet and be silent. Be be silent. But as Peter and John said, we cannot be silent. For me and this church, we will not be silent as well. We will not be silent. Daniel had a moment when he had to defy legal the, the legal authorities of that day to make a stand for God. Peter and John had to make a decision to defy the legal authorities of that day. And I want to tell you, man, we will not be silent when it comes to the word of the Lord and the, and the practice of the Christian faith. We won't, we won't do it. They did not stop preaching or compromise their message And we're not doing that either. Worship team, you can come. We can't help it. He said that we can't can't not speak about what we've seen and heard. I can't stop. I can't stop. It's like telling that beggar, don't tell anybody you got healed. You can't help it. You can't help it. When you got grace, when you got God's love, you got salvation, you can't help but not tell people. You can't help but not tell people. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people 
and reported all that the priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. Sovereign Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hands to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. There was no retreat. There was no intimidation. There was a fresh empowerment of the Holy Spirit to go do the works of the Lord. Listen to me. There is something that God will give the church that is special. There is a fresh anointing, a special anointing when believers in the church stand defiant in the face of adversity and fear. If we'll stand, declare God's word, de declare his principles and precepts, there is something powerful that God will do in the midst of his people and he will prepare them for the moment that they are walking into. That moment is now. That moment is now. They were shaken. They were filled. And they spoke the word of the Lord with boldness. Okay? Amen. I want to tell you, we're living in an unusual day. I think... It's just my opinion. I think a lot of the end time spiritual warfare and battle has now begun. I think churches, believers are going to be called out, put on the spot. We're not going to be able to stay silent. We're going to have to make a stand. I think through what has occurred last week, I think the warfare over marriage redefinition and an alternate lifestyle. It's a battle that's coming to the church, okay? To silence and be quiet, but we're not going to do that. But our, my message this morning is not about that. My message this morning is about the person of Jesus and that he wants to fill us with God's presence so that we can go do the works of the Lord. That's it. That's it. Well, if we'll follow him, if we'll be prayerful, if we'll be bold, if we'll, you know, if we'll walk into places that he calls us, even if they feel a little uncomfortable, he'll be with us in those difficult moments. He'll be with us. Would you stand this morning? Would you stand? I'm going to pray. The worship team's going to worship, lead in worship. And then I want to give opportunity. If you need a, mi a miracle, if you need a healing, healing of the body, healing of the heart, healing of the mind, I want you to come down front. We believe God's going to touch you. We believe God's going to touch you. This is a house of miracles, and it's a house of healing. All right? I want you to come. There are people that are going to come pray with you. They're going to believe God with you. Come on down, sister. Come on down. There are people that are going to pray. They're going to believe God with you. We're going to believe God's going to do miracles this morning. Listen, he does not change. He does not change yesterday, today, and forever. If you need a miracle, healing, I want you to come. Healing of the heart, you need God to do something in your heart, I want you to come. You need a healing of the body, I want you to come stand across the front. Come on, let God touch you today. Let God touch you. God's speaking to you, I want you to come. 
Okay? We're going to glorify Jesus this morning. We're going to believe for God to touch folks today. Are there others? Maybe you're away from the Lord. I don't know what your spiritual life is. This is your moment to come make things right with God. Okay? He heals bodies, but he heals hearts as well. Okay? He forgives sin. He transforms lives. He does that. He does that. He does that. Come on, are there others? Are there others? You just need prayer this morning. They're going to they're sing. They're going to sing. And when they do, I've got some people who are going to come and they're going to pray over you guys. They're going to lay hands on you and believe God with you. If, they're, if, if, if you're touched in this moment and you want to come, once we start, then I want you to come. We're going to believe God's got miracle and healing this morning. Can we lead in worship this morning, Brent? Come on, let's praise him. Let's praise him today. Prayer team, come. Those that have a message, come on up here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.